welcome to the Junction Church Aberdeen podcast. We're so glad you chose to listen to this life-changing message. So we are on the last one of our grand designs uh, today. It's been an amazing series. It's been a very interesting series. I've certainly learned a lot myself. And uh, I have the privilege of doing the last one too. So we've been looking through um, Isaiah 54 and we've been taking it bit by bit and we were away for a bit of it so we, we haven't heard all of it that what other preachers have brought to you. But I'm hoping that you've gleaned something from it. But today I want to finish with that very last bit but we're going to read the whole lot. But before we do that we're going to pray. Because I really want the Spirit to impart into your life today. I don't want you just to hear me. I want you to hear what God is saying over your life. And that requires you to open up your heart this morning. That requires you to get a spirit of faith around your life. That requires you not to sit in familiarity. Oh, this is just church. Let's do church. But what can we get from God today? So we're going to open up our hearts right now, wherever you're at. I just want you to close your eyes and just submit to God and say, speak to me, I'm listening. So Father, right now, I give you every person in this room, wherever they're at with their journey, wherever they've come from, doesn't matter, but Lord, they're heading towards you this morning. They're here, Lord, because they're hungry for you. They're here, Lord, because we want more of you. We want your presence. We want your life. We want your spirit. We want your word to enter into our hearts. We pray for the spirit of revelation to come this morning. We pray, Lord, that you would change us from glory to glory. We pray today, Lord, as we sit in this place, that your kingdom will come and your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray, Lord God, that your people will be able to stand courageous in you this morning. We pray that your people will hunger and thirst for righteousness and they shall be filled. We pray that your church will shine so gloriously, Lord, that in this city people will want to come running we pray you would do a mighty work amongst us Lord in this time in this season in this hour we give our lives to you Jesus why because we love you more than anything and everybody said amen so let's read Isaiah 54 starting at verse 1 it says sing O barren You who have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not laboured with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right, certainly over Christmas, and to the left... And your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Verse 3 again. For you shall expand to the right and to the left. Aren't you looking forward to that? And your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. And what I love about this scripture, I'm quite excited this morning, so you'll have to forgive me. Pastor is excited. Um, What I love about this is it just the message of restoration, the message of redemption is so strong, not through, I mean, just throughout the word of God. But when you take this one piece of scripture, it's just so incredible, God's plan upon our lives. 
God's plan about over us individually. God's plan about over us corporately. God's plan about over cities. God's plan about over nations. And all of a sudden you realise you are part of that plan. And I find that so exciting that in the heart of God is you and me. Others that have gone before. Others that are yet to come in the master plan of God. And we are part of that master plan. And his plan of redemption, his plan of restoration is so beautiful. It's so perfect. It's so incredible. We are so part of it. And I want to take you through today three phases of restoration. Because what I see here is that desolate cities are going to become inhabited. And I want to take you through three phases this morning. Um, just as we go through, because I'm going to be preaching about going from the cow shed to the king's palace. Come on. (laughs) All right? And so today, we're going to start with you. Say me. Me. Yep, you. And uh, the plan of God upon your life. You see, he has not withheld one thing from you. Not one thing has he withheld. He has given 100% over and above what we ever thought or imagined. And uh, you may, I don't know where you're at today, but I know that God has a plan for your life. And can you tell your heart that? Can you tell your family that? Can you tell the ones around you, God has a plan for your life. Do not give up. Do not quit. Do not be, uh, come down on yourself, but know that God is faithful and he is working the plan upon your life if only you will let him. All right, so the first phase we're going to go through is God's restoration over your life. And in Psalms 40, it says this in verse 1. Let me just slurp first. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me, and he heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of a miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear it and will trust in the Lord. And I'm praying right now in this first phase that we get a bit of a sailor moment over our own lives because it's always good to take a little bit of a step aside of yourself and look back on yourself and assess yourself and look and see what God has done. And if you have found Jesus Christ in this place today, then he has taken you out of that horrible horrible pit. He has taken you out of the miry clay and put you upon a rock and put a new song in your mouth. If you've never been to church this morning, that's what it's all about. Because we've got a song, we've got a new song, a song of hope, a song of celebration, a song of joy and jubilation of what God has done taking us out of that horrible pit. You see, you're on a journey of restoration. You're on a journey that is taking you right through. And when we enter into glory, that's when we're finished. We walk, we walk out our salvation with fear and trembling. We don't have it all. We do have it all. Actually, this is it. God has done it all. We have it all. It's whether we've received the revelation that we have it all. 
It's all done. Every single thing is done. You've just got to position yourself into a place where you understand it and believe it and can apply it upon your life. So that's how you know that God's great plan is for your life. And it is absolutely amazing. Now I'm going to read this scripture and it might not be what you consider normal scripture, okay? But I want to say your life is a miracle. And I'm going to read this scripture and I want you to almost see yourself within this plan of restoration, okay? We're going to go to Ezekiel 16. Who's with me? Who's with the Woolwich? And Ezekiel 16 says this. Now, I just want you to see yourself, okay? Now, he's speaking over Jerusalem, and this chapter is almost sandwiched in between God's like, oh, the harlotry of Jerusalem. She's with me one minute, she's not with me. But this, this chapter, he's declaring his love and uh, his promise over her. And this is the love and the promise over you. And again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know their abomination. I can't say that word. <laughs> Abominations. There you go. And say, thus says the Lord God to Jerusalem, your birth and your nativity are from the land of Canaan. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. As for your nativity, on the day you were born, your navel cord was not cut, nor were you washed in water to cleanse you. You were not rubbed with salt nor wrapped in swaddling clothes. No eye pitied you to do any of these things for you, to have compassion on you. But you were thrown out in an open field where you yourself were loathed on the day you were born. And when I passed by you and saw you struggling in your own blood, I said to you, in your blood, live. Yes, I said to you, in your blood, live. I made you thrive like a plant in the field and you grew, matured and became very beautiful. Your breasts were formed, your hair grew, but you were naked and bare. When I passed by you again and looked upon you, indeed your time was the time of love. So I spread my wing over you and covered your nakedness. Yes, I swore an oath to you and entered into a covenant with you. And you became mine, says the Lord God. Then I washed you in water. Yes, I thoroughly washed off your blood. And I anointed you with oil. I clothed you in embroidered cloth and gave you sandals of badger skin. I clothed you with fine linen and covered you with silk. I adorned you with ornaments, put bracelets on your wrists and a chain on your neck. I put a jewel in your nose, earrings in your ears and a beautiful crown on your head. Thus you were adorned with gold and silver and your clothing was of fine linen, silk and embroidered cloth. You ate pastry of fine flour, honey and oil. You were exceedingly beautiful and succeeded to royalty. Your fame went out among the nations because of your beauty. For it was perfect through my splendor, which I had bestowed on you, says the Lord God. And what an incredible picture of salvation. For you were born in sin. You were covered in filth. You were on your own, not protected, vulnerable. There you were, still not, still attached to the things that, that you should have been separated from. But there you were. There you were on your own. There you were. 
and he passed by and he saw you. He saw you and he spoke over your life and he said, live, live. Just how he breathed into Adam. He breathed his spirit, his life-giving spirit into you. He breathed into Adam, didn't he? And Adam went, and life came into him. And he passed by over you. And he breathed life into you. He saw you were lost. He saw you were forlorn. He saw you covered in filthiness. And he said, I want you. He spoke into you and said, life, life. Come alive. You who were lost are now found. You who are abandoned are now accepted. You, you who are filthy, I now come and I cut you and I give you life and I cleanse you. I wash you from all of your filth. And then I get a hold of you and I dress you. We were in filthy, filthy rags. And he exchanged our filthy rags and he put robes of righteousness on us. We were not worthy, but he says, I love you. Come into my covenant. Come into my oath. I am for you. I am not against you. He took you as his own. He adopted you and called you son and daughter of the Most High King. He then clothed you in the most amazing robes. That word embroidered is, is like a personalization of your robe. Wow. That's what he did for you. And then he, he didn't just do that. He brought you into royalty. He brought you into a royal place. And he said, you are beautiful. You are so beautiful that nations around you are going to be amazed by you. Can you see your journey of restoration? Do you understand the power of God upon your life this morning? You were brought out of a lonely place and you were put upon a rock. You were born in sin and filth and covered in filthiness. And he says, I don't care what you look like right now. I don't care what you're covered in right now. I just want to wash you. I just want to adopt you. I want to establish you in a holy place. I want to establish you into the kingdom of God where you rule and you reign over every principality and over every power. Can you see the restoration of God? You were a desolate place but now you are inhabited. What are you inhabited by? The Holy Spirit. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Look at your life. Look at who you are. Look at the restoration upon your life. Look at the promise. Look what God has done. Look at the amazing plan over your life. Yes, you, your life. You look so happy. Isn't it the most amazing miracle? The miracle of salvation. The miracle that you have been forgiven. You were not worthy. Oh my word, no, we were not worthy. All have fallen short of the glory of God. 
But my word, he has taken us and caused us to be kings and priests. And now here we are, a temple of the Holy Spirit. I want you to receive revelation this morning because when you do, you walk differently. You talk differently. You live differently. When you understand the restoration plan of God. Now you may be struggling with things in your life and you say, I don't feel like that right now. And that's because we need to apply spirit of faith to our lives. We have to get a spirit of faith around us because God has already done it. God has already answered it. God has already healed it. God has already done the work upon your life. You've just got to apply it by faith, my friend. And if you are not strong enough to stand on your own in faith, then I say to you, grab a hold of someone else and help them stir up the faith within your heart. Have things worked out how you thought they would work out? Probably not. But what you've got to do is trust in the almighty plan of God. Whether it's worked out how you thought it was going to work out, whether you've been disappointed, whether you've been frightened, whether things have just come around you, you still have got to trust that he has the restoration plan upon your life. Trust is trust. You trust him or you don't trust him. And friend, it's better to trust him. If you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, then I want to say to you that he can take you out of that horrible pit even today. Even today, you can be forgiven of all the things that you've ever done wrong. Even today, you can be washed, born again, and being brought into the kingdom of God. And at the end of the service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that because it is the most amazing thing to be right with God. It is phenomenal. And so I want you to remember that you are in that place, that God has already done that restoration work. You've got to walk it out with fear and trembling and answer to the plan of God upon your life. Continue to trust him. Can I hear an amen? Phase two. Onwards and upwards. We were praying as a worship team on Thursday and we had incredible time just praying and believing God in this season. And as we were praying, this amazing realization came over me, uh, even within the worship team, but in the church, that here we are, that God has this plan upon our lives. I was suddenly aware how amazing and how incredible, you're just on the edge of your seat right now, that you're here. Do you know there are people from all over the world here? And God has brought people from all over the world, from Aberdeen. He's brought them for work or school or living or whatever. But can you not realize that you're here not out of chance just because you maybe found this place on the internet or you just came for study or whatever, but the fact you're here is the master plan of God. And I was just taken back by the absolute miracle and the genius of God 
that he would call people from different nations and bring them into one place. I thought, how incredible, what a lot of work going on behind the scenes to get you and me to here. I'm not from here. I'm from the southeast coast of England. And yet God has brought me here. Now, you may be Aberdeen, and God's got the plan right here. You stay in Aberdeen, and you do what God wants you to do. You could be from a, anywhere out, different town. But the fact is, God's brought us all together. And I find that incredibly exciting. Because you could be anywhere, but right now, you're here. Which only means one thing. God's got a plan for us. And God's got a plan for us corporately that... But do you want to do it? Because I do. I want to do whatever God wants to do, whatever his plan is, with you, because it's going to be better than what we ever thought it's going to be. It's going to be so exciting because the Junction Church, Aberdeen, God has a plan. God has a plan for City of Joy and uh, AOG. And, and, but you're here. And the fact you're here this morning, you might be here this, the, for the first time, but... But maybe this is God's plan for your life that you should be here right now. And this is what it says in 1 Peter 2 verse 5. It says, You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2 9 says, But you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that may proclaim the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who have obtained mercy, who, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. This is God's grand design, that you are here, that you are part of what God wants to do, in whatever capacity you are here because it's God's grand design, it's God's plan. It is no small thing that we are here together. It's no small thing that we have come into his presence. You know, you've been brought here because this city lies desolate. This city needs to be inhabited. This city needs to go from the cow's shed to the king's palace. We need to proclaim that this city belongs to the Lord. Now you may be here for some other reason, you think, but God's design is that this city is inhabited with the praises of his people. God's plan is that this city needs to be rebuilt and we are going to do it together. But you know there are so many more that are yet to come. You know, you might not be sitting next to the same person next week. Wouldn't that be cool? And, and you know what, it's, Christmas is normally a season where we kind of pull back. Oh, I'll admit it, you do. And, but, but again, when we were praying, I really felt that this was not a time to pull back. That Christmas is our time 
Christmas is the church's time. Christmas is the Christian's time when we declare and celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. This is not a time to pull back. This is a time of miracles. This is a time of extravagant giving. This is a time to have a radical Christmas. And God showed me miracles starting to break out. Because at Christmas we get all tradition around us. And I love the traditions of Christmas. But how about we corporately get a spirit of faith as we start to minister to one another, as we start to minister to the city. Uh, Christmas Eve, we're going to have so many people who have never been in church before. You know, so many things that we've got hampers going out. We've got all kinds of things that we're doing. But let's believe for salvation. Let's believe for a miracle. Let's believe for something over your life that you really believe in God for. You know, the Thanksgiving service last year set us up for this year. It was like the leper, the one who came back and said, thank you. He got the fullness. That's what we did last year. So we said, you know what? We were so blessed by what, by giving thanks, God just poured out his spirit, poured it, opened up the heavens over us. And we entered into this year in just such an incredible way that we said, let's do Thanksgiving again. Let's do it a little bit differently. You know why it costs £15 rather than the £5 ticket that you're going to pay in another couple of weeks? The £15 one is a posh ticket. We're hiring tables. We're going to be like so posh in here. And there is only a limited number because it's, we can't fit as many in because we're all going to be sitting around round tables and Judith's going to do some incredible food for us. But most importantly, it's a time of giving thanks. And it's going to set you up for the new I promise you, it's going to set you up for the new year. So here we are believing for miracles. Let's get a spirit of faith around our hearts and lives. So phase three, here we are. Restoration individually, restoration corporately, and now God wants to take us into a new, another dimension of phase three. Are you ready? Okay, turn to Nehemiah 1. And Nehemiah 1 says this, verse 1. The words, oh no, some big words in here. The words of Nehemiah, the son of, the son of, oh, I would have gone hach, not hatch. <laughs> I would have gone hachalalalalaya. It came, this goes quite good actually. I'm sure it sounds something like that. It came to pass in the month of Chisley. Chisley, yeah. In the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the citadel, don't say that without any teeth in, <laughs> that Hannah and I, one of my brethren, came with me from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is being broken down and its gates are burned with fire. So it, all, so it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And here's Nehemiah. He's a cupbearer for a king. And a cupbearer was someone, you know, obviously he tasted the wine before the king had his wine in case... It had been poisoned, so he was mostly the one who delivered the wine to the king. 
but a cupbearer is a high-ranking royal official, primarily in charge of serving wine to the king. Since he, has, uh, since he was close to the king, the cupbearer was required to be a man of irreproachable loyalty, capable of winning the king's complete confidence. A man of loyalty, service, honour, selflessness and trust. That was Nehemiah. No wonder he was chosen to do the job. And here is Nehemiah. He's in an elevated position. But he's not only just in an elevated position, he's got a soft heart. And when he hears that his people are in distress and the walls are broken down, he weeps for them. And he prays for them. He confesses their sins for them. And he asks God to deliver them, that the walls should be built up of Jerusalem. And here is this amazing man who has been given so much uh, just confidence by the king. And I say to you today that we have been given so much confidence by our king. And we have to decide in our hearts that as we have been elevated to royalty, as it says in that scripture, that we are going to be trustworthy for the king. That we are going to be ones that are loyal. We are irreproachably loyal to our king that as we desire for what he wants for this city, for our lives. That he wants us. Now, Nehemiah had to go to the king and he had to ask the king if he could go. But our king automatically releases us to go into this city. And as a church, and as you have been brought here, we have a responsibility for this city. That this city lies in ruins. And there was no one in Nehemiah's day. There they were year after year, and there was no one to take leadership. There was no one who looked at the walls and said, wouldn't it be great if we could gather some people and build up the walls? No one took leadership. They were all scattered. They were all oppressed. They'd come out of captivity, and here they are probably still in captivity mindset. And this city lies in captivity. This city lies in a place where people are scattered and they need a leader to gather them. And you may say to yourself, I'm not a leader. You're a king and a priest of the Most High God. You have been restored and you know what it is to be restored. You know what it is to find salvation. You know what it is. And all you have to do to be a leader is go and tell somebody your story of restoration. Go and tell them what the Lord has done. Go and give a good report of the Lord and you will find without any effort that walls are starting to be built up in this city. Because this church is going to have an influence over the city of Aberdeen. You have been brought into this nation. You have been brought into this city for a purpose. And we need to get a heart for the city. Because it's no good us coming just to church on a Sunday, enjoying church, and that's great if you do. But when there are people who do not know Jesus Christ, who are destined to the pits of hell, we need to get a heart for them. We need to walk through the streets at Christmas time. I remember when Ashley Shamira was 
he's our oversight and he came in he's Australian he came into the country he used to sit in the shopping centres and watch the people go by because what was he doing he was getting a heart for the people his heart had got hardened through things and then he would go and sit back into along the streets and start watching people go by do you care do you care because God has a restoration plan for this city God has a restoration plan for your families. God will not leave you short because he has already done it. Mm. We must get a spirit of faith around our hearts and see walls being built up, to see desolate places being inhabited. It is the grand design of God. And I know, I came up to this city, I mean I came to see it saved. You may have come in for another reason. But God has a plan. And corporately together, you and I can make a difference. Corporately together. Now what happened? Nehemiah wept. And it shows how soft his heart was. Shows how soft that even though he was in a place of, of, of royalty, he was not detached from his people. And we can't be detached as a church. This should be a church without walls. We can't be detached from those ones around us we need to have a heart for them and he wept and there's this amazing scripture in Joel 2 verse 17 let the priests who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar let them say spare your people O Lord and do not give your heritage to reproach Let the nation, that the nation should rule over them why should they say among the peoples where is their God and the church needs to weep between the porch which is the world and the altar because that's what God has called us to do to pray for our city to pray for this city to pray for the nation will you do that? will you do that as we enter into a new year? because God has a plan And when you see change around you in your family, in your workmates, in the people around you, in the streets, when you start to see change, it's going to be, you're going to be like an adrenaline junkie. You're going to be like you're on Red Bull. Because once you get just that first glimpse of seeing life enter into somebody, of seeing someone's life restored, of seeing someone's life healed, of seeing someone being built up who was broken down, you cannot get enough of it. You cannot get enough of sharing what God has done. You cannot get enough of declaring the good news. You cannot get enough of just, just helping someone be taken from one place to the next. This is you and me. I feel like you like the first bit best. The last bit's a bit more of a challenge. But this is it. This is the church of the living God. This is, this is the city upon the hill. And, you know, if you start praying for those ones that you want to see come through to Jesus Christ. You know, when we first came into this city, somebody said, you know, we, my goodness, we've never been to Scotland, never been to Aberdeen came in and they said what did you feel and I honestly truthfully tell you what I felt when I came into the city they were expecting me to say oh despair sin witchcraft (laughs) 
I felt prayer. That's what I felt when we walked down the streets. We walked down Union Street and we said, we feel prayer in this place. You know why? Because generations before have prayed for this city. And there is an heritage that we are drawing from even now. Even all the churches in Aberdeen are drawing from that heritage. People are coming to Christ because someone had taken the time to pray. Someone took the time to pray for you. Someone, somewhere, was praying that you would find Jesus Christ. Somewhere, someone is believing that you would come through. And how about we do it for a generation that we start praying for people around us and stop being so selfish, say, look, I've been restored. How about I see tens, hundreds, one, be restored. How about I give my life? How about I just dedicate myself to Jesus Christ I pray for the ones that I've seen walking down the street. I pray for them. I I hand them over to Jesus Christ. I hand them over and I declare over their lives, you shall see the glory of the living God. Your eyes that have been blinded, oh, the veil will be lifted and you shall see him. You shall know him. You shall worship him. How about we don't let the last generation down because we fail to pray? for our city, for our families, for our friends, for our workmates, from the stranger you see. I remember a girl who used to sit by the jewellers. I'm I'm closing with this. She used to sit there with her, just on the floor, cast out, cast down. And she used to just beg for money. And I was at a pastor's conference and someone read that bit of scripture about about weeping and taking someone from the porch to the altar and they said right go down your street your your city and go down your main street like almost in the spirit in prayer and I did that and I saw that girl in my heart in the prayer and I saw her sitting there And I just started to weep and just started to pray and just started to declare over her life that she would find Jesus Christ. She would be transformed, taken to a different place. I can't tell you how long later. And the pastor of Hope City Church, Dave Gilpin, had been up to Aberdeen. Now, he's in Sheffield. He'd been up to Aberdeen. He found this girl. She was on drugs. And he had something called um, City Hearts, where girls could go, get off of drugs, out of eating disorders. And he took her to Sheffield. She found Jesus Christ, got born again, got set free, and she came, I think she came not so long ago, she came to this church totally on fire for God just I just wet I just couldn't believe it because our prayers are not wasted you get a heart for the city and God will answer the cries of your heart If we can pray for those who we don't even know, we can pray for the ones we know, but have a look when you go shopping and see who you can see. 
and lead them from the porch to the altar, that they would no longer be desolate, cast out, but they will be found and dressed in robes of righteousness like you and I are right now. Why should they not have what we have? Why should their lives be so hateful and in a horrible pit when Jesus Christ gave his life he stretched out his hands and said Father I forgive them why do we cast them aside when our very lives are dedicated to Jesus Christ and for his cause he said for this cause I was born that the kingdom of God may increase There is no end to the kingdom of God. I'm going to read one last scripture. I'm sorry for getting emotional. Ezekiel 36, verse 33 says, Thus says the Lord God, On the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will also enable you to dwell in the cities, and the ruins shall be rebuilt. The desolate land shall be tilled, instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass by. They will say, this land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden. And the wasted, desolate and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations which are left all around you shall know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt the ruined places and planted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it. I will do it. Let's stand up, shall we? Let's pray for this city right now. Let's just lift up our voice. I'm not going to say any more. Oh, Jesus. Let's get a spirit of faith for this city right now. Oh, Father, we cry out for For more information about the church, visit us online at www.thejunctionchurch.com or come along and see for yourself in one of our services.